good day and welcome to episode 55 of the aaron wayne podcast Ooh, i love that i play the music in the intro now while i can hear it usually i would just put this in for like the first 45 50 episodes i put it in uh, when editing but i like just being able to start in on it feel the tunes feels like i'm coming into it, coming into the vibe i uh I already recorded like 10 minutes of a podcast and decided to cut all of it. I was just rambling, which I think is why anybody listens to this podcast is because I sort of ramble. But yeah, man, I'm in my uh, new office space, which if you have listened to the podcast before is also next to the dryer. So that's not running right now, but uh, my wife is upstairs. She's kind of kicking it, getting after some stuff. We went to the baby doctor today. She's entering her third trimester, and she had to drink this. They, they do a glucose test, which, you know, don't get me started in the medical establishment. <laughs> um, no, we actually, we, we ended up switching doctors uh, about, I don't know, a month or so into the pregnancy um, just because we wanted to, we didn't feel like super comfortable with who we were with before for a couple of reasons I'm not going to discuss but we uh, we really like the people that we're working with now it's a midwife group that uh, has OBs on staff too so we, there's like a rotating cast of midwives and OBs that we've been meeting with over the last uh, I don't know five months or so and we really like them so uh, but the Blood glucose tests, apparently women have a tendency to get uh, what's called gestational diabetes, which to most people, they probably are familiar with that. You might not be. And, you know, the diabetes in the modern world is typically from diet and lifestyle choices. And so with each different professional we've met, I've asked like, hey, what are the things that we can do? Like, you know, she, Katie's my wife stays pretty active. She eats pretty clean. Um, where we try to place emphasis on our health, what are the odds that she's going to end up getting this gestational diabetes? Uh, and they're like, well, it's kind of random. And I was like, okay, cool. So what's the intervention if you get gestational diabetes? And they said, oh, well, we'll alter your diet and lifestyle. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe I do some research on that and figure it out, but... We're supposed to get that blood glucose test back tomorrow, and she did not like... It's like this little half-pint water bottle with 2x your daily allotment of sugar that you're supposed to be drink, uh, be consuming throughout a whole day, and she had it uh, relatively fasted. I think she had like some uh, light breakfast, but pretty fasted. So she was miserable. I got back from teaching yoga this morning, and she had just downed it. She had to down it in five minutes. She had her little Apple, uh, her iPhone timer on, and she made it like she had to do it in five minutes, and she drank it in like four minutes and 19 seconds. She like took it, but it was like eight ounces. If I, if it were me, I would have glugged that bad boy back. But, uh, yeah, apparently it was super gross. But I don't know, man. I wanted to, I wanted to do a podcast for today because i had a little extra time i don't necessarily have it like in my schedule right now um i've been focusing on dialing in my scheduling especially considering that the baby is coming in october and so what that has me thinking about it has me thinking about a lot of different things but uh, i wanted to talk a little bit about the 
like idea of being a father. Um, also wanted to like test out this new studio space in the basement uh, as my my office and my workshop and the laundry room and baby storage and yard sale stuff that we're supposed to be selling. So I think I'm going to make like a proper investment in creating a space in one of the corners of this room, this big base, because the basement is full basement. It's unfinished. And I want to make like a proper studio style space for podcasting and for yoga videos and things like that. Because I've been thinking, you know, with the baby coming in October, I'm not going to be able to do as much teaching yoga out in the world um but you know yoga i'm a public school teacher and yoga has supplemented my income by like she just turned the tv on if you can hear the tv you're just gonna hear the tv because i'm in my basement and i don't have this soundproofed yet so uh what was i talking about yeah i'm not gonna be able to like leave the house as much especially in the first year of having our baby so I wanted to, I, I, I'm, I'm working to find different ways to supplement the revenue uh, and build different revenue streams to keep doing yoga, using that skill set and kind of spreading out the practice to as many people as I want to. So I think I'm, I'm going to need to make a, a, an investment, a proper business investment into some sort of studio space. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm thinking shiplap, you know. Like, I'm a white girl in Texas that wears a furry hat. Not a furry hat. You know what I'm talking about? Not those fur, not furry, like, something you'd see at a disco or a rave or something, but, like, furry, like, felt. You know what I mean? A felt hat. I'm going to be a white girl from Texas. Austin, Texas. Tejas. Um, dude, I feel like Austin, Texas is just, like, spread. It's it's like there's a culture that is very Austin that has just permeated the culture all the way to the east and west coast. It's just everybody's, you know, aviator sunglasses and fuzzy flat hats. Fuzzy flat hats. It's going to be the name of this podcast episode. Get to the point, Rico. I wanted to talk about having a kid because I just had a phone conversation about three days ago, two or three days ago with a really good friend of mine. Uh, and he and his wife just had their first baby. I think I might've alluded to that in the last podcast I recorded. Last podcast I recorded was like in my van, like needing to get back in the groove of doing it. Uh, and I think like I got 20 minutes in and Katie got out of her physical therapy appointment for, um, like prepping for pregnancy. And she was like, do you have the health insurance card? (laughs) So I wanted to sit down today before going to teach yoga this evening and do like a proper thought on, uh, on being a dad. And so this conversation I had with my, my buddy, it's so interesting to see him. He's like sending me pictures of his boy and it, uh, he's not that type of guy. You know what I mean? Like he definitely has an emotional side, but he's not like a, like take pictures of baby and send them kind of guy. And so what I'm seeing is sort of a softness uh, coming from my friend. And I think it's beautiful. And I started to think about like how I think about what the next year of my life is going to be with Katie and our baby girl. So it's going to be a girl. I don't know if I said that in this episode or not, but she's due uh, mid-October, October October 13th. And, you know, the nursery's done. We've picked a name out. 
uh, we're stoked. We have been talking a lot about like how we want to go about it. You know, we read this book. Uh, I don't think I have it down here. No, it's up. It's by my bedside. Um, a book called uh, Free Range Kids by Lenore Skenazy, which was recommended by Jonathan Haidt, the guy who wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. And, you know, we're trying to take these ideas of what it means to be a parent that doesn't do too much parenting. Because, you know, as a as a middle school teacher, I've I've seen the whole spectrum of kids, kids that have been empowered to take risks and get after it and have a sense of confidence because they know that they can try things and fail and then learn from it because that's what childhood should be about is learning. I've had kids who uh, are neglected and, you know, they do or don't develop skill sets of independence uh, because of that. Um, And not neglected always in like a nefarious sort of I'm a bad parent kind of way, but in, uh, sometimes it's just like, I'm busy. Like, uh, you know, mom and dad are working two jobs and that's just kind of how it is for a lot of people. And then I've <clears throat> seen the other, sorry, I keep clearing my throat. I just built a cabinet for our kitchen and I was sanding it yesterday and I didn't wear a mask, which just, you know, so long wearing masks. I, now I can't find any masks. And when you sand, especially if you're doing a lot of it, it's like all that dust gets in the air. So it's just been in my, uh, in my throat and my nose. I'm trying not to cough in the mic, but maybe I cough in the mic, bro. You know, you're listening to it. This is my podcast, not your podcast. Don't tell me how to cough and not cough. <clears throat> been drinking ice water lately. Mm. You know, sometimes you forget you can put ice in your water and you're just drinking drinking tap people that don't drink tap water i are i think they're slightly deranged like yeah if you got a filter right you got you got a filter and it's in the fridge it's cool it's filtered a little bit extra you know whatever it's nice but if you won't drink water until it's gone through a filter you know there are people in country, other countries that like drink mud <laughs> I mean, people drink drink mud, you know. Um, so, and we we just like the only the only time Americans use tap is to like for their toilet and for showering, and I think that's weird. But whatever. What the hell was I talking about? Yeah, the type of parents we want to be. I've seen so the whole spectrum, right? To parent to kids that have been overparented and they don't know they haven't been they haven't been permitted to like fail and the prospect of failure especially when you get into middle school at the end of middle school going into high school it's like oh my god if I don't get a 95% or higher in my honors English class then I'm going to not go to Yale and no one will ever love me right and so I don't want to do I don't want to do that I don't want to be I don't want to be too good of a parent, if that makes sense. Like, I think that, you know, there's a, there's an idea, there's a principle in, uh, elderly care that you shouldn't do anything for your patients that they can do for themselves because otherwise they start to lose their sense of agency and their capacity. So, you know, helping if you have, if you're, 
and I don't work in elderly care, but I've, I've heard this talked about from people in that field. Like you, if someone's trying to stand up, you give them the supports that they need to do so, but you don't just pick them up and put them on their feet because then they lose the ability to do so. And they lose the sense of like, I can get myself up out of a chair. And I think that parenting is like that, which is, you know, it might take my daughter when she's, how old do kids, how old are kids when they start tying their shoes? Dude, there's so, there are so many things that I don't know about early childhood development. I, um, Katie's really good at that. She really knows it because she worked at a daycare for a couple of years and then has been a primary school teacher for almost ten, for 10 years this is her 10th year as a primary school teacher. And so, you know, she really has this stuff dialed in. So I'm going to be leaning on her knowledge a great deal for the first, you know, five to 10 years of our daughter's life. But, you know, tying a kid's shoes for them every time never gives them the ability to tie. And I can tie, dude, do you have any idea how fast I can tie shoes? I don't even have to look at them. I don't even have to look at my shoes. Right? I'm like a pianist. I'm like I'm like Chopin. I don't even look at the keys. You know, I'm just tying the shoes. You could blindfold me and muffle my ears and I could still tie my shoes. But a kid can't do that. So you gotta let them kind of struggle with it a little bit. Those are some of the thoughts that I've been having lately is how can I create a space where my kid feels confident that she can figure out how to do things in the world. And I think, you know, people would ask me like, do you want a boy or do you want a girl? And I honestly didn't, I didn't and don't care. Um, I always liked the idea of if I were to have, if Katie and I were to have a boy uh, and I don't know, we might have more than one kid right now. We're just kind of trying to work with the one we have, but you know, if we were to have a boy, my thought was, well, I have sort of piecemealed together for myself in my mid twenties to, to now, maybe early twenties to now, like what is manhood? Because as a high school football player, you get, you get taught a very specific type of manhood and what masculinity is and how that manifests in the world. And I think for, um, you know, for some people it's really beneficial and it was beneficial for me in some ways, but it did give me a sort of sense of like manhood is dominance. Um, because that's what football is about. It's like you, you know, you hurt people. That's the intention of the practice of the, of the games is just like you get, you know, we'd watch film on Mondays after a game of, under those Friday night lights. Ooh. Watch game film, baby. Come on. I'd, I'd watch game film right now. You got some? I have a friend of mine who still has some game film. And he was much better than me. And one, one of the best players in the district. Small small district in Northern Virginia. And he, he, put, the, he put film. We went to his house. And he, like, had the film. And I was like, yo, throw that on. And then I saw a video of myself moving, and I was like, that guy, that guy doesn't look like he's safe <laughs> playing the positions he's playing. I look like a, I look like a spider, you know? Like, you ever seen a spider, like, really run? Like, um, sorry for those people out there with uh, arachnophobia. 
that's what I looked like. I looked like a, a spider scampering across the field, and I always looked confused, you know. Um, but that's the type of manhood. But that, like you know, the people I looked up to in that space were people who were physically strong and big and dominant and i attempted to manifest those character traits in myself you know i got into fights uh unnecessarily uh out off the off the field like in school and uh you know at parties after school and you know on the weekends and stuff and that wasn't that that isn't who i feel that i am and so that was like my first dabbling in masculinity and so you know, then I get out into the world and I work in, in two female dominated industries. I work as a public school teacher and I work as a yoga instructor. So most of the interactions I have with uh, adults in my day to day life and my professional life is, are women. And so what that's given me is a sense of, you know, sort of balancing those traits that can be hyper masculine. Um, and like obviously the people have different doses of masculine and feminine traits regardless of, the, of their gender but i liked the idea of if we were to have a boy helping him to understand the more feminine traits that are naturally inside of him not to like confuse the kid about like how he expresses himself uh but giving him a sense of manhood and masculinity um, is good. Like there are there there are good things about masculinity, and then there are also good things about the things that are more feminine traits. And so, I think the blending of those for any gendered individual are like that's that's power. Like that's truly powerful. And so, you know, having a girl, what I want to do is I want to help her understand that things that are considered to be you know, more masculine, like disagreeableness and, um, you know, physical strength. And again, again, this is not a judgment or saying like these things, you know, don't, don't take this out of context. You understand what I'm trying to say. I like the idea of like helping to foster, um, an intrepid, like badass girl, you know, I love that. Um, and who knows, like, this is my first kid. Who knows to what extent that I have the capacity to mold her in any way. Like, I was talking to one of my yogis uh, about two or three weeks ago. She was having some issues. And I think that she was sort of talking to me for two reasons. I think sometimes, you know, you just need someone to talk to that's not invested in the situation. And I think she was sort of, like, looking for advice. And, and you know, I, I try not to give advice. Um because I don't think it works. And but the thing that I did say to her was you know, I'm I've been te- I've been teaching for like a decade. And before that I was you know, trying to tell people everything I've learned. And what I really truly believe being a professional teacher of adults and kids is that you can't really teach anybody anything. Like you can't force something into someone's head. So whether that's a kid or an adult, you can't really tell them what to do because people don't want to be told what to do. They might receive information that you give them, but you can't teach anybody anything. And I, and I, and I believe that. So yeah, man, that's cool. (laughs) I don't know. What else do I want to say about having a kid, man? So it comes to me in waves. Um, and I think that this is a uniquely 
uh, I think this is unique to fathers having talked to mothers in my life because, you know, when you're a mom, you know, I look, my, you know, Katie was just trying on some uh, dresses that she bought for baby showers that we're going to have, you know, and she was, you know, holding the dress so it like accentuates her, her baby bump and like our, our daughter is with her all day, every day for the last six months or so. And so I think that for women, there's this like gradual ramping up of like, oh, my daughter is with me. My daughter is with me. And I think that that's beautiful. And that's like one of the, it's one of the, it, it must be like a real gift from the female experience. But as a father, like, you know, you don't notice it as much. Like it's not, it's not in my face. And so I have these little flashes of like, you're going to be a dad. And I'm like, Oh, <gasps> you know, like it freaks me. And like, if it, it does freak me out a little bit, but you know, it's like this, it's this huge thing. And I, I don't feel fear. I feel, I do feel a sense of uncertainty. And for some that might feel like fear. And maybe for me, sometimes it feels like fear, but I don't remember having that sensation. What I think about is, typically what I think about is how quickly time goes. We were coming back from the doctor today, and she is at 27 or 28 weeks. And we were talking about induction because... Uh, that was just like a conversation that we were having and dude, the dot, the OB we had today, um, again, back to like masculine and feminine traits. Like he was very like dude about, he was very much a dude about this. He was like, t you know, talking about it's just men, men have this like boxy sort of like lines, shapes, order. You know what I mean? It's like that, that's how in my experience, uh, people who manifest masculine traits, this tends to be how they are. And he definitely, he had a, like a beautiful softness to him that was inviting. But when talking about, um, like outcomes and so forth, he was very like, these are the facts. This is what it is. That's what this is. So he was, I asked him the question. I was like, you know, why would you ever induce? Like, what's the, what are, what are the pros and cons? Like, doesn't it make sense to just like, if she wants to cook for another week or two and then he like, did this thing like he he made an x and y axis with his his forearms and he like drew a graph in the air for me about um infant mortality and how you know at, at week 39 the mortality uh odds stop their descent and so just seeing that i was like oh this makes perfect sense like that's that's why they that's why they induce it like 39 40 weeks if if uh, things aren't moving along. And so, yeah, so we were coming back from the doctor and looking at 10 weeks from now, roughly speaking, you know, we're going to get to meet our daughter. And in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, well, that's like half a semester. You know, that's a nine weeks. In school, we say the first nine weeks, second nine weeks, third nine weeks, fourth nine weeks, which is half a semester. And I thought, you know, like with my kids, it's like a novel or maybe two novels, you know, with my students. And it's sort of, 
like hit me again in one of these like waves of yeah that's going to be it's going to feel like tomorrow real soon and what that's telling me is that I got to keep with my practices of present moment awareness because next thing you know my daughter will be four that's just so far out man I'm excited to meet her and I hope that what do I hope I hope that she can I hope that she can live a life that allows her to find peace because I see so many people who really struggle with and myself included like the last couple days I've just had these in the evenings really low and it it comes and goes with me I just randomly get low for no reason and uh you know, I have my tools, I have the things I, 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 I know when I'm low how to find peace with myself and to accept like this is a thing that's here now and it won't be here forever. And when I think about raising kids, I just want them to have a toolkit that's authentic to them so that they can so she can find peace, you know? So uh yeah. What else have I been doing? So thinking about being a dad. I, um, I've been saying that, so, you know, people have been, you know, Katie is at the, like, right at the perfect, uh, perfect healthy weight for her and for baby, and, uh, you know, our diet really hasn't changed much, you know, it's just more frequent meals, um, because she can't eat as, as much volume in a sitting, so it's more frequent, it's like a lot of snacks and stuff, and, you know, a lot of people have asked me, not a lot. Maybe three or four people have asked me about um, like gain, like me gaining weight, and my you know my thoughts are, I think that there's this strange thing in our culture where we live so much of our life where we are just like beating back the horde in our mind that wants us to just indulge on shit food all day and not move. And whenever I'm like that, and it comes and goes like every 18 months, you know, I gain 10 or 15 pounds and then I'm like, Oh, what the hell happened? And then I lose it. Um, and I get back into uh, a comfortable, uh, body composition for me again, for me. And the urge that I had when I found out that we were going to have a kid and maybe it's the paranoid part of my brain, but it wasn't, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's chill and, you know, have some snackies and, you know, watch some good series on shoot on Netflix on you know, watch, watch our shows. It was okay. I need to make more money and I need to do jujitsu, <laughs> which I haven't done the jujitsu part. Probably because it's expensive, and then also it's like it's super intimidating, man. Like I, it, I am in, I am intimidated by starting to do jujitsu. Let me have a sip of this ice water. Mm. But I've been lifting a lot more, and um, I think that's because 
I think there are things in our culture that we don't recognize necessarily, which is that the the reason that a majority of violent crimes are perpetrated by men is because men on average right there's exceptions to all these rules i know very strong women i know very uh you know weak men but on average the people who are aggressors and the defenders are men and i think that there i think there's an evolutionary advantage to that i think that like the idea of you know the idea of what what i see in my relationship with katie is that we both have access to the natural gifts that nature has given us and for katie her natural gift is it's the same thing that allows her to that that every time we go to Home Depot, she's not looking at the things that we need for the house renovation. She's looking for dogs. <laughs> she's looking for, because like you go to you go to Home Depot, there's always a little pup somewhere. And uh, in fact, they like train dogs there. I see people all the time walking through Home Depot, and they have like you know service animals that they're training. And so that's what she's doing. And I think that's the sort of character traits. Like, that are going to make her that make her a really good primary school teacher and are going to make her uh, a really gifted mom. And I think that uh, f- the the traits that I have that manifest in me is okay, we got to get all this stuff organized. We got to, you know, we got to put together sort of contingencies for this and that. Uh, we need to be bringing in another revenue stream. Um, and if something violent happens in our life, like I'm the one who will handle that situation. And so, you know, a lot of guys, when their partners get pregnant, they, you know, they put on a couple pounds. And for me, the idea was, I'm fine with putting on some weight, but I want to be strong. Like I, that's, I want to be stronger. And so I think that's what I want for my family is I want, I want to be yeah, I want to be strong in all the ways I can be strong. I've been, I, th- I think my, you know, for the last decade or so, I've been, you know, I'm, I work hard. I work long days. I always have different things that I'm doing. I always have little projects, and that's the thing that I've always been good at. I've always placed an emphasis on my physical well-being, and sometimes I've wanted to get strong for the sake of vanity. Like I want to look good. And I think I did a podcast like a, a year or two ago, a year ago, probably that was, I think it was titled like, I want to get jacked, <laughs> which is true. Like, and that was before we even really like had the conversation of like, we're going to have a kid and let's get that ball rolling. I think I have always wanted to just be big and strong, but now it's like, there's this part of my brain where, you know, Katie wants to make sure that she, she has this like nesting instinct that's happening. Right. Um, and she's been making sure that I'm getting things done with the nursery, finishing that before I move on to another project. And so that's an instinct that she has an instinct that I have is I need to be able to, to like defend my family and, and provide for my family and I don't think that, again, don't, don't take any of this out of context, like the world we live in where it's like, I'm not talking about everybody's 
experience that they're supposed to have, whether it's, you know, traditional style gender roles or it, whether it's a flipped or a, a cohab, like a, like a, a co responsibility for different, uh, you know, traditional roles. Like, I don't care how you live your life. I'm just noticing what's popping up naturally in my biology and psychology and what's popping up in my wife, my wife's. And I think it's cool. <laughs> like, I think it's, I think it's, I think that there's a, there's a book I read by a married couple. They're evolutionary biologists. Um, and it's called Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century. And they talk about this idea called the Omega Principle. And so the, oh man, let's see if I can explain this. So you have, um, you have heritable traits, right? My hair color, skin color, height, these things are my predispositions for, you know, diabetes, obesity, all these different things, heart disease, all that, that those are heritable traits, right? And those go through the, our genome, right? My daughter will have, my daughter's not going to come out blonde because my wife and I both have dark hair, right? Um, at least that's highly improbable. Actually, I think it's impossible because there's nobody in her family that has blonde hair. And I think blonde hair is a recessive trait. Um, and so I think, I don't know, throw a comment somewhere and let me know. Oh, you know what? Before I started the podcast, I said to myself today, Aaron, you need to remind the people in the first five minutes to like, and subscribe. Didn't do it. 35 minutes into the podcast. Didn't do it. I don't know. Like, and subscribe. Trying to build something here, man. Trying to build revenue streams for my daughter. God. Um, and the Omega Principle is an idea of cultural traits that are heritable. And if if you have a if your genotype manifests in a phenotype that is an adaptive trait it will carry on through the lineage biologically. So if uh, having, if being six foot tall is an adaptive trait that allows for the, uh, for the uh, animal to procreate and, and live a full life, then that is an adaptive trait, right? And so when you sort of, Take this from a. I took a nap today. You know what happens when I take naps? My brain gets foggy, and the words don't come clearly. Forgive me. Worst podcaster ever. If something is an adapt is if something is an adaptive trait for an individual, it will likely carry on to the next generation and down the lineage. If a cultural trait is adaptive, then it will likely carry on for that culture. So, for example, being in community and singing, there is research to say that singing, uh, this isn't from that book, this is from something else I read, but there's research that says that singing for, I don't know, whatever the number, these are rough numbers, but singing for 30 minutes can increase your serotonin production by 20%, whatever that number is, but it's a substantial increase 
for an extended period of time, whether it's 15 minutes or 45 minutes, I don't know. But it, singing in a group can increase your serotonin level. Serotonin is important for all sorts of healthy things that happen in your state of being and state of wellness, but then also with bonding to others. So that trait is part of the Omega Principle, which is this is a thing that cultures have done throughout time. And that means it's adaptive, right? It should carry through the lineage. And so that's like where this push and pull of like conserving our past and the, and the traditions that we have uh, may be serving us and, you know, reconfiguring how those things go uh, to see, to change them if they aren't serving us. Right. So tribalism is obviously uh, part of our, the Omega principle that we inherit from culture and biology that doesn't work right especially in a world that is communicating as freely as we are and has so many more tribes that you could be a part of and so tribalism is one of those things that probably we should shed that came from the past but there is an idea that like the natural inherent traits of the genders right again just looking at this at a binary level right there's always there's there's different spaces that you could work in in this but just from the perspective that i have which me with me and my wife she has these natural capacities that i don't have and i have natural capacities that she doesn't have um and they correlate with our sex and gender and so i think that if you find yourself in a situation similar to mine, like we should be building these natural attributes to the extent that we can, um, because it will, it'll serve the next generation. So I think, yeah, I think that makes sense. I don't know. Do I want to keep talking about this? I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. I want to do like a book club kind of thing. Like not book club, like talk to you guys about, I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to have conversations with people about books. I just kind of want to ramble about books, but I, um, I'm seeing on my, the reason I thought about this, cause I'm seeing on my desk right here, the book, uh, deep work by Cal Newport, which is right here. If you're on YouTube and this book kept coming into my world, my online world, uh, people were suggesting it, you know, podcasters and and YouTubers and all this. And I didn't want to buy it. Like I just didn't I, I spend the 15 bucks on it. And I was like, whatever, like it's what, what's he going to say? He's going to say you should be working. And I just finally just bought the book for 15 bucks. And there's nothing that's genuinely groundbreaking in this book. He's not saying anything that's like new, um, that we haven't heard already. In fact, I think a lot of people have been reworking these ideas in the popular culture. And, but what I'm taking away from it is that you do genuinely need to just set time aside to work and not let yourself get distracted. So I think I'm going to do a breakdown of that book for my first like book club kind of thing. It's been extremely, I've been like enacting some of these principles that he has in here which again are not like there's nothing he's not he's not doing anything crazy in this book but he's just saying like look you you've got a capacity for deep focus 
that our culture has created obstacles to access. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll be in my office and like, you know, paying bills or doing administrative work and I'm listening to a podcast and it's like, you, for, it's going to take you longer to do it. You're going to be sloppy and you're not even listening to the podcast. You just want to have some sort of distraction in your ear because you think this is boring. But if you just commit to embracing boredom and getting the job done, it gets done faster, more effectively, and then you can just move on to the next thing. And I've been doing, I've been sort of training myself up. I have a Pomodoro timer on my phone. If you don't know what Pomodoro is, like Google it. It's just a practice of like set time, break, set time, break, set time, break. And so I've been setting up these hour long blocks. Um, Today's Wednesday. I've only done it for the last three days. And I've, it's, it's insane how much work I can get done in an hour if I don't let myself get distracted, like I don't even get up to go to the bathroom. Like I'll, I'm just here. I put in some binaural beats, uh, which are just like different, um, frequencies of, of like, whoa, in one ear and then the other helps me focus. I set this timer and then I just work for an hour. And what I'm working on right now is I'm working on like doing a lot of writing cause I'm trying to build something right now with, that requires a great deal of writing. And for this thing, I'm looking at my, my cork board right here. I have nine sections that I parsed out and outlined. And I finished one of the sections in an hour. And it was like, I don't know, it's just a, a rough draft of it. But it was, you know, a handful of pages, several thousand words. I just didn't let myself get distracted. I stayed on the note card, used my quotes, all this stuff. A lot of the techniques I've been pulling in over the last five years from different things I've been listening to and actually started doing it because I read this book that says, stop distracting yourself. And then, so I think one key takeaway from this book that I've taken is if you're consistently craving to escape boredom, you'll find ways to do that with, you know, Instagram, YouTube, TV, whatever, you know, scrolling through the internet. But what that does is it alleviates your boredom for the moment. But when you sit down to actually focus, you don't have the gear ready to go because you've just trained yourself to run away from boredom every time it happens. And so once you get past boredom, there is a space of clarity that's available. And that's what I'm practicing right now. And I think this comes back to being a dad. I don't want for the work and the projects that I do to one, I don't want them to stop and who knows how this all shakes out when you have a kid, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this live. We're going to do it live, but I, I don't want to stop like woodworking and podcasting, doing yoga, teaching yoga, um, writing. I don't want, I don't want these things to stop. So if, if I'm going to be able to continue to pursue things that I find meaningful, I have to be organized and use my time effectively. And so if I commit myself to working and writing for an hour, it's gotta be that hour. And what that means is I gotta get every drop out of that hour that I can get because you know, six months ago, 
in most of my professional life, I would sit down to write or lesson plan or do whatever it is that I'm going to do. And, you know, I'd fart around for 30 minutes and then start and then get distracted and do something else. And then be like, oh, I should do this and then do something. Else. And like nothing gets done, even though I think I'm fairly productive. Um, like I'm probably in the 70th percentile of productivity. But the people that are in the 80, 90th percentile of productivity, they, they, it's like, I got an hour, I'm getting it done. And I think I want my kids, I want my kids to see me building things without fear of failure. And I want them to see that, yeah, like dad's got a job, but you know, he's also got this project and that, you know, that makes money, but, and it also, you know, it helps people out and he's got this thing that he does because he wants to get better at that. And he knows how to, you know, wire electricity in the house during renovations. And, you know, my dad built those cabinets and I, I want my kids to know that about me. Not because I think maybe because of an ego thing, like maybe I want to be like, I want to be a, a good dad it's like I want I want my kids to like look and say like I want my kids to say the kind of things that are like you know that's how dad is but not in the way of like well that's how dad is he's kind of an asshole but I want my kids to I want my kids to know that I work hard and I think that that that's partly ego but I think the the better part of my desire for my kids to know that I work hard and I'm productive more importantly because hard work is, you know, hard work's kind of bullshit unless there's something that comes from it. I want them to know that that's like, that is how you find a fulfilled life is by building and creating and connecting with people and helping people. And that's what I try to do in my professional life and in my personal life. So I want that to happen. I, w- I, I want to be able to do those things. And so Deep Work, this book, has been a reminder, which, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of thick, I'm kind of daft. So, you know, I need these reminders every six to 12 months. I was like, no, dude, just, just do it. Just, y- y- you know, you got, and focus on one thing at a time instead of 20 things at a time. Um, I heard a quote once that says people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. And I think that's true. Um, and that qu- the original quote might have been people overestimate what they do in a day but underestimate what they can do in a year. But, w- you know, whatever time horizon you're working with, you can get a lot done if you let yourself focus. And I want to get things done at the same time of being a good dad. And I think and being a good husband, you know, these are the things I'm thinking about. I hope it was interesting to you. I'm, uh, I think I'm gonna wrap this one because I, uh, it's five o'clock. I teach yoga at six, and my basement doesn't have air conditioning, so I've been down here sweating like a pig. So the music's gonna start any second now. And it'll be my outro music. And this is just me filling air. So fill, Aaron. Fill. There it is. (laughs) 
Oh man, it feels good to be back on this. Yeah, man. So, you know, hit me up. Hit me up online. Give me a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. It's a huge difference, man. Like each time I get a review or a comment on YouTube or a sub, hit me with them subs, baby. Things, it, it starts to spread more. And um, I want to be a voice in the world for good. All right, y'all. The music stopped. Damn it. All right, we're ending it without music, so I'm not going to copy and paste the thing. Maybe I should take this more seriously, but I think i got to get into practice of it to make take it more seriously. Okay, Aaron, stop the podcast now. Peace.